0: A Highline Podcast.
1: Hello, welcome to the Whiskey Bench. I'm Stephen Torna.
0: I'm Kat Dwyer.
1: Cat, how you doing this evening?
0: <laughs> I'm doing. I'm doing well.
1: Excellent. We kind of just came right in and uh, dove into it. Yes. So I hope that uh, the week so far has been good.
0: It's been good. It was. What was the high today? Ten. F- Ten. Yeah. Which was quite an improvement from like negative, negative
1: twenty two is the coldest I saw. Yes, so uh,
0: <laughs> we're, it's warming up. We're defrosting. Good, good. Yeah.
1: Office. You haven't been out anywhere. You haven't had to go do anything
0: outside. Yeah. No, I've just like slipped in parking lots, but otherwise I'm.
1: Yeah, that's fair. I
0: haven't actually fallen, but I just mean I've only had to like walk across parking lots. Right. <laughs> so exactly. I'm good. I've uh <laughs>
1: shoveled a uh, a couple walkways. Yeah. That's about it. Yeah. And i totally. like, all right, not working outside, laying low.
0: Yeah.
1: Just trying to make it through this week. Too damn cold. It's, yeah. Way too cold. Yeah. But that is good to hear. Uh, tonight is another episode of, well, I don't know if it's news and brews. It's going to be like a mix. Yeah. It's going to be like news and brews and conversation. Yes. <laughs> um, so we're mixing it up a little bit. This is kind of like some sort of. Uh, what's the word, amalgamation of uh, everything we do, but we are excited to announce that for 2022, we have our very first guest. We are joined tonight by uh, an incredible podcaster, founder, and CEO of Highline Media Network, Stephen Henning. All right, I'm just joshing you guys. It's Stephen Henning. Wow. What what an introduction. I've never been introduced
2: like that. That actually made me feel really nice just now. Yeah. (laughs) I loved that. Yes. I'm back, baby, for this episode.
1: Yes. Henning is back in the house (laughs) visiting. And uh, we just wanted to catch up and uh, enjoy a little Henning time.
0: He told two you months, it was just for now. Yeah, when, when <laughs> two he months left. you made it. He's <laughs> yeah. like
1: fishing. He's nibbling on the hook. Yeah, <laughs> like tonight we're just watching the bobber. Yeah, <laughs> I have to come back. Actually, next time I, he's on, we might. You know, we'll start flicking the line a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Third time he's on,
2: set that hook. <laughs> there you go. I will give a shout out to Zach Hayes on Twitter. Actually, this whole episode is born out of a tweet he sent us. God, a number of weeks ago. Yes, yeah, several weeks um, ago. Right. Yeah, that was the inspiration for it. So, Zach, ask and ye shall receive, my friend.
1: Yes. Yeah, so we're I'm here. He, he always listens, so we'll... I feel like I shout him out Matt a lot, but <laughs> shout out to Zach.
0: <laughs> Zach's great.
2: Absolutely. I love it. Well, can I give you guys some news before we start, like, world news and stuff? Or well, whatever. yeah, late whatever on us. We haven't caught up in a while. Well, so I feel like we should uh, we should say that we are currently running a very short, very easy, less than three minutes it takes you to fill out a simple survey on the Highline website that could win you a free sticker. I say win as if it's a contest. I will send you a free sticker. If you fill out could win. you will win, there's no
0: wrong answers. You will get a free sticker. There's a
2: free sticker in exchange for three minutes of your time. It's completely anonymous. All we're trying to do is a network is trying to gather information about our audience and about the people who listen, um, because I have big brain aspirations to like sell some ads to some small Montana businesses this year that we could start Mm -hmm. advertising and supporting that way. Um, so we need some information from our audience and in return you could get one of the deliciously, it's like eye candy is what it is. These whiskey bench stickers we made you guys. Oh,
3: Oh,
2: they're, they're real good looking.
1: Yes. They're they're really cool.
2: (laughs) Shout out to my wife, my partner. She's the, the artist behind this. You guys had the logo, but she did the glass and Oh. oh my word. I love it.
0: Yes. Yeah, Dixie yeah. did a great job,
2: and the colors. Mm, that big shout out. It's very Dixie vibe. Knows her way around a color palette, she does. So I will say to the Whiskey Bench audience personally that I would love to send you one of these Whiskey Bench stickers for free if you're willing to take a very short, very easy survey. So that's news item number one. Yes, or if you don't want a free sticker, you can buy a sticker. Also right. true.
0: <laughs> this
2: is on the merch store. Yes. Yeah, we'll we so accept have,
0: your money. <laughs> we have stickers
2: for every show available on the Highline Network. You could also buy a sticker pack. And if you're smart and do the math, you can buy a sticker pack for less than buying all the stickers individually. And, guys, we're selling beverages of our own
1: now. We're selling fresh roasted coffee. Yes, which I'm very excited about. I really want to get a bag. I got to order some, make some drinks with it. Oh yeah, I would love that. I would That's love some idea. coffee-themed cocktails. Cat,
2: I know you're not much of a coffee drinker.
0: I'm. I'm gonna buy some, and I, I'm,
2: <laughs> I'm gonna well, learn just to one, like coffee. Because I'm excited about
0: it, but also because um, I always have coffee on hand for like guests and for my boyfriend. So oh. he'll be drinking Highline coffee. This is great. Very yeah. nice, guys. I am.
1: This is. I am not just saying this. Since moving to Bozeman. One of the greatest disappointments is not having revel coffee on hand around yes. Billings. There are, there's like maybe one place in billing or in Bozeman that I can get revel and it's like out of my way and I never make it over there.
0: This is a Billings. This
1: is a Billings roaster. Gary okay. is the roaster. Fantastic no guy. Joke, some of the best coffee I've ever had. He is a delight. To he work is with. legitimately a nationwide renowned. Uh, Coffee roaster.
2: Oh yeah, no, he's he's won international awards with his wow. roasts. Yes, um, wow. like incredible. He's coffee. also just
1: like the coolest, nicest guy you'll ever meet. Absolutely, he
0: is. And so this is who we partnered with. Yep. for this coffee. Okay, cool. Yep, we developed it. I back read wh- the notes. I remember. Yeah, you got the <laughs> <bad> double checking, <laughs> connecting the dots for the listeners.
1: <laughs> I just know Gary and have been drinking his coffee for a long time. So the yeah. fact that there's a collab here is like. phenomenal oh it's very cool my favorite thing about it
2: too um that was especially exciting for josh my co-host over on ravel Mm -hmm. is that when you order a bag off the highline merch shop gary will roast it like the day that he puts it in the mail for you so you are getting like the freshest roast you can on this delicious bean water as my wife calls it. Um, So it's not like it's been sitting on a shelf at Walmart or Kroger's or whatever for a month and no one bothers to check the label when they need another pound of coffee. Like, this is fresh roasted. It has your name on it when it goes in the roaster.
1: Also, I, I don't know what shipping costs are, but frankly, the price, too, is really, really good. Oh, absolutely. Like, I'm in a spot in Bozeman right now where a decent 12 ounce bag of coffee is going anywhere from 14 for like a really sub average blend all the way up to like 21, 22 for a single origin. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And this is priced at 15. This is 15 for a 12 ounce. And then if you upgrade to the two pound.
2: Yes. Which is 32 ounce. If you're doing the math, it's not just Mm -hmm. double the 12. It's 32 ounce. It actually is a mark down for us. If you buy in mm-hmm. bulk at that thirty-seven dollars, yeah. so so it's like a oh, good affordable coffee. So that is that's all you can ask for. Incredible, so a
0: good cause, right? Yeah. You're supporting support
2: your You're favorite supporting shows. The homies,
0: yeah, <laughs> exactly.
2: absolutely. Yeah, Torna, I think we're gonna have to get you at least a sample bag soon, so you can make some coffee
1: cocktails. Uh, yes, coffee cocktails. Because that sounds amazing. Well, you know, I'm I'm already thinking like, you know what, we got we're gonna have to refeature some drinks. Oh is, yeah. Oh,
0: that's fine. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, it's like, screw it. We're never gonna have a
1: Negroni again. Like that's not gonna happen. That's insane. That would be <laughs> heartbreaking have have for Negroni. my friend Cat. Are you kidding
2: me?
0: <laughs> yeah, there's a whole Negroni week coming up yeah, that like we're gonna go hard on. So there's a week for seven one? episodes.
2: What? Oh, nice.
0: Yeah, there's Negr- Negroni week is like an annual thing. I think yeah. it's in the spring. Something like that. Something.
1: Goodness so maybe gracious. we'll have to do a, uh, never mind, I can't commit to that. No. Seven days well, of podcasting. No,
0: you can't do that. <laughs> but we can have seven Negronis during one day of podcasting. Yes.
2: There you go. Wow. I like the way you flip that around. <laughs> that is very, very clever. I think that just sounds delightful. Kat, that sounds like an entire week-long holiday that was made for you.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. And most restaurants, like I think every restaurant that, is worth its salt and has a bar and a liquor mm-hmm. license. Participates. So Lean into it. It's kind of fun. They'll yeah, do
1: you... special ones. Mm-hmm. And yeah,
0: yeah. You can kind of go anywhere and get a get a good drink.
1: There you
2: go. Well, speaking of good drinks, Torna, do you want to introduce our beer for the night?
1: Oh yes, I most certainly do.
0: Can I just say real quick? God, I love Henning's transitions. He's so smooth about it.
1: <laughs> Thank you. Um.
0: Yes.
2: Uh, it's <laughs> <I'll> t- <great. laughs> Take the compliment. <laughs> I've been, take the compliment. Uh, yeah,
1: take it. You're very welcome. Uh, I've been trying, but I've been failing apparently. So
0: no, 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 no. no. I like ours. Ours are quirky and clunky. They're I get great. it.
1: I get it. I have not been pulling my weight. No, no. I no. understand. God damn it. <laughs> uh, tonight we are drinking in honor of Mr. Stephen Henning, Jeremiah Johnson Brewing Company's Mountain Man Scotch Ale, brewed in Montana. Yeah, that's right. In the beautiful city of Great Falls. This is right. So, classic scotch ale, beautiful flavors. It's not like as dark and chocolatey as some. Yeah. But I like it.
0: I can drink it. Which, that's so good. That's a good. Which, <laughs> which means <laughs> a lot because you guys are... have
2: been talking about how sometimes you have to like split a beer three ways lately, so.
0: You <laughs> With the heavier desserty ones, yeah, yeah for sure, so. Henning, though you'd laugh, uh, my first sip of this, I think I made a similar face to the mm. one I make when I drink clog <laughs> <of Moulin. laughs> That does
2: not surprise me in the least, my friend. That is yeah. awesome. It doesn't. It's not the same, but I understand where the no. face comes from. Yeah. You know what I like this beer that most other beers don't know how to like exactly nail is the the,
1: the uh, bubbliness.
2: Well, so there's the bubbliness in the can, which is very impressive because like I I will be the first to say that if you see this beer on tap anywhere in Montana, Mm -hmm. I view it as like a cardinal sin to not get a pint Mm. because on tap this is, oh, it's the sweet nectar of the Lord is what it is. But (laughs) um, in the can, they nail the bubbliness, but also on tap or in the can This beer is so good for a finish and like the literal aftertaste is pleasing. Like some beers leave such a weird flavor behind
3: Mm -hmm.
2: and this beer is like, it's just like malt and honey. It won't let you forget that you drank it and I like it for it, you know, like I'm impressed by it.
0: That's a good observation. I hadn't thought about that, but now they taste my mouth, it's pleasant.
2: Like sits back in the back of your throat there, right? And it's like, mm, yep. and it's on my lips. Like, yeah, it's malt and honey and ugh, it's so good. So
1: good. And the can design is delightful. It is. I don't know if anyone remembers the OG uh, cans, which I can't find anywhere. Yeah, and they I don't, don't know why they stopped anymore. doing them. They had instead of a new owners, uh, new owners. They uh, switched, but I I don't see like any beers doing this. And I absolutely loved it instead of pop tops. Yeah, instead of your normal like little opening, the entire top peeled off. Oh, that is nice. And then you had like a cup, and they were tall, like sixteen ounce cans. Mm -hmm.
0: I saw like a device on Instagram, like an ad for it. That it's basically like a it just slices the whole top off of Mm -hmm. your can of beer. To get that same cup effect.
2: Totally. Man, the the Instagram ad algorithm is really working on you now that you're doing news and brews, huh? It is. It is indeed. Oh, my God. That's so good. So, news and brews. (laughs) We're here for news and brews. We were all texting earlier today because we were like, well, so Zach tweeted at me wondering if I could come back to the whiskey bench and talk about my thoughts on Joe Rogan and Spotify because Mm -hmm. we probably all remember a few weeks ago, which in a normal, like the media cycle is pretty much over for it. Right. But we're bringing it back because I honestly, this is my favorite venue to discuss things I care about is like after they're done being really inflammatory. Like I think the perfect time for me to come back to the whiskey bench and argue why we should abolish the electoral college would be like, the week of the midterms when it doesn't matter, you know, <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. It's not like before or anything like that.
2: No, yeah. But- right. Um, when when none of us are thinking about it and, you know, just disrupt the thought streams a little bit. But it did feel weird to not at least acknowledge that, like, over last night and this morning. The. Conflict in Russia and Ukraine escalated to, like, full-on
1: ground war now. Uh, yeah. Yes. So lots have developed in the last two days, honestly. But uh, The last few hours
2: even, like, looking at Twitter and following. Yes. Big shout-out to, I started following Atlas News after the last time mm-hmm. you plugged it on News & Brews, Torna. Yeah. Um,
1: man, in the videos, he got up there. Insane. Uh, yeah, he's a great. I don't, I don't even know who he is, but great reporter. He just kind of compiles pictures and videos. There's not a lot of commentary on it.
0: It's, it seems like he has a ton of contacts around the world. Uh, yes. So he's get, he ends up getting firsthand stuff. And, his, but...
1: and, and what he does is war conflict mm-hmm. almost exclusively. Yeah, right. Um, and so he's pretty qualified to do so. He just keeps getting accounts deleted by Instagram he's on his third one. Which, ago. why?
2: I don't <laughs> right. under, that's so weird.
1: He even, like, as a meme, started, like, posting, like, pictures of, like, you know, if there's, like, a picture of a tank, he'd, like, Photoshop in Zuckerberg.
0: <laughs> right.
1: Oh, Be like, they, right. can't, they can't delete content that's nice pictures of Zuckerberg, Th- right? That's clever.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well that's played. That's become a tactic of people misspelling, like, mm-hmm. vaccine or whatever it is so that they can share their thoughts without the tech overlords yeah. right, exactly. censoring them
1: so he's I, i've mentioned this many times he's working on actually building out a full website and hopefully an app oh cool to kind of skirt that whole tragedy that is <laughs> the unfortunate uh grinder of the algorithm um i don't think it's malintent i just think it's not conducive to things like violent pictures or videos and things like that just honestly so yeah right he's building his own thing which is awesome
2: yeah so i don't know how much we want to do in
1: terms of feels weird to just give updates or whatever but uh yeah i think by now most people know because this will be coming out this weekend yeah this weekend oh yeah so we're and recording so,
2: thursday the 24th of february correct at six twenty five so, right now <laughs> yes that feels like it matters especially when developments are like oh they have chernobyl back you know is that an right.
1: update Yes, they do. Oh, okay, cuz I know that they got uh the airfield back. They had a counterattack. Oh no, I'm Ukrainians sorry. Did. I said
2: they I think Russia is in possession of Chernobyl, but the Ukrainians oh, oh, just yes, recently Oh, yes. yes. I thought you meant recaptured the, the airport. recaptured the
1: yeah. recapture. Yeah. See, and this is the problem it gets uh very convoluted very quick. So I'd like to just maybe real quick a few I think important updates that we'll learn more about and then maybe a warning for the upcoming news for however long it's going to be. Oh gosh. Yes. Um, So we know by now, everyone listening knows Russia has officially invaded Ukraine. It's a ground war. I think really the most important updates that I can see is that they took over. The Russians took Chernobyl. We did see though. Now uh, the president of Ukraine did make an announcement asking like all 18 to 60 year old men to stay and fight. Mm -hmm. Um, They're going to start distributing firearms to people. Which is huge. Yeah. I mean, right now I think the l- first number I saw was 10,000, like right off the bat, rifles distributed to, to mm-hmm. civilians. Again, we've seen some in the weeks prior, stories coming out that were questionable as f- uh, whether or not they were true of like people training and kind of starting to prepare, prepare for an attack that they didn't know was imminent. So that's important news. Um, Other than that, I don't know if there's any other pressing updates besides, obviously, like, you know, the U.S. and and NATO are going to be meeting.
0: And I think maybe just worth noting, like, we're very much in the fog of war. It's Mm -hmm. been, like, a day. So there's going to, by the time people listen to this, a lot more will have happened. Um, Right. And because we're in the fog of war, it's going to be some time before we have a really clear assessment of what has happened and idea of what to expect going forward. So um, I think this is a topic that you and I both want to dive into at some point, but I think it's wise for us to kind of bite our tongues until we know more information and it develops further. I would just like to say uh, that I am eating crow today because in our last news and brews, yes. and, I, and I said then I w- could be eating crow, but I really didn't think, I thought Putin was going to do what he did in Crimea and kind of nibble on the edges. I didn't think there was going to be a, an mm-hmm. invasion of this scale, and obviously I was wrong.
1: Well, even after he announced uh, liberty to those two provinces and then moved troops in, oh, I was yeah. like, okay, that makes sense because just south of that's Crimea and, you know, Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, that seems like a lot. But it was just kind of like, oh, wow, this is escalating really quickly. Yeah, like very quickly. Yeah. And he's um,
0: targeting, well, it appears that they're targeting civilian populations in Ukraine, which is not surprising because right. Putin, in particular, his history is peppered with pretty gross atrocities like shooting down passenger airliners and he came into power blowing well it's not proven but it's pretty much widely understood that he like orchestrated blowing up a housing block to help facilitate his election and like murdered hundreds of people in their sleep so Mm -hmm. it's not surprising that they're targeting civilian ukrainians but it's heartbreaking
1: right exactly so yeah beyond that i don't know if there's much we can uh productively say on this i will say however um This is going to be interesting. This is something a buddy texted me uh, just last night. And he said, I think one of the scariest things about this is that this will be the first major conflict that is completely under the guise of modern social media. And this is something that is very important, especially when trying to understand the military side of the news. I've already seen uh, illustrations and reports that have been debunked. Circulating about like where Russia has attacked units that have been attacked. And so we're going to see social media be used as a psyop to either distract and confuse the enemy or as a form of propaganda. And a great example is I just saw um, a video of a report from a Russian ship that was off the shore and it was like a small military base there's a video with them contacting the ukrainians saying like surrender or you'll be killed the ukrainians basically say stuff it and the report is that all the soldiers were killed at this base that's really hard to prove disprove this is going to be used as as a psyop to basically destroy the ukrainian morale as far as I can tell. So. Oh, yeah, especially, I yeah. mean... You're going to have to be really careful with reporting. Yeah, we sure. know Russia is yeah. famously good at
2: misrepresenting the truth, propaganda, disinformation all over social media, Facebook, Instagram,
1: Twitter, all the right. all the classics. Mm-hmm. So
0: Yeah, the fog of war gets foggier with... The, social media. Yeah, the technology I mean, well, app. and
2: the speed yeah. at which you can see a video of, like, a rocket flying, you know.
0: Yeah. You know, I have to say I that that was something that kind of struck me this morning, looking at some of the footage that was available. Um, And I guess that's what it was. I haven't lived through a war where we have social media like this. Yeah. So it was it was kind of shocking that we were already seeing that I was looking at, at the face of a bloodied woman who had her apartment blown up like mm-hmm. an hour. You know, yeah, like right. it's just the timing's insane. It's almost instantaneous. Oof. That's a good warning, Tori. Wolf,
2: pretty yeah. wild. I, I'll, well, some to be uh, <laughs> I'll tell you guys. Yeah. I'll probably end up doing a little bit. Uh, maybe using this story as a way to get a Ravel episode started. But I feel a really weird, like twinge of anxiety all day today because I grew up, uh, not so explicitly, but like there were outlets that I was exposed to when I was like in middle school and high school that basically were trying to shoehorn like christian prophecy in the book of revelation to like the evil communists in russia and china kicking off the end times Mm
3: -hmm. and that's
2: a very weird like particular brand of anxiety to be feeling today
3: (laughs) yeah that's Um, true yeah
2: so come on over to ravel to hear me process a little bit of that soon i think right um because that feels very weird uh
1: this is also really actually important too. uh this this does play into a larger geopolitical issue that we're going to have to be aware of is that chinese propaganda uh as we speak are running stories basically saying like oh what putin did did and is doing is now justifying an invasion of taiwan so
0: well they accident what i've heard (laughs) is that they accidentally leaked essentially they're like state propaganda talking points that they were sharing with their state-run media
1: mm, that's misunderstanding my point saying i thought it was actually that, something that was run but
0: saying get, basically giving them instructions like this is how you connect this mm-hmm. to taiwan and this is how you justify it like and support putin's actions woof yeah and and again fog of war but <laughs> everything i've read that was accidentally leaked or maybe not accidentally, but it was leaked. It wasn't meant to be published. It mm-hmm. was meant to inform, and then stories were supposed to, and they pro- still will come out over the next days and weeks. But, um, yeah. Broader point: This is totally China and Russia aren't necessarily like allies, but they are. They have an entente, and like, it's scary for either one of them to become aggressive. It and is, gain more power.
1: and what's going to happen? Well it's already happening is that we're going to sanction against Russia, and China's just going to pick up the slack.
0: Right, exactly.
1: And so mm-hmm. something to consider. and we've mentioned this before in the podcast. Europe is pretty stupid in getting rid of their nuclear and getting oil, you know Germany especially relying on Russia for a lot of their energy. so I think we'll see increase in fuel prices and
0: yeah, it um, already skyrocketed today. Yeah
1: too. so. Yep. Just things to be aware of. Don't freak mm-hmm. out, but be prepared. You know, keep your tank topped off. Don't panic, but, you know, stuff like that. Just be aware. Pay attention. Nice. Yes.
0: You got a transition for us, Henning? Or?
1: <laughs> uh, maybe not, but a, here's the transition. We have a this is very grim and dark. <laughs> yeah, there yeah, you go, yeah, yeah, yeah. mid <laughs> Yeah, mid-roll. Just <laughs> do you like what you're hearing? (laughs) I mean, Uh, no, I don't. Yeah, exactly. No, honestly guys, this is very, you know, we don't want to make light and and joke about this This is very serious and very troubling. And I've got a lot of thoughts on this that I'm processing. Um, Just real quick. You know, we want, we want to talk about some, some more positive stuff in this episode and where Highline's going and, and kind of the, the beauty of podcasting and what it is in light of the Joe Rogan story. But just just keep the Russians and Ukrainians um, in your mind. And if you're one to pray, pray hard. Interesting enough, last week on Sunday, um, one of the Orthodox bishops was visiting. And he had said, hey, pray for Russia and Ukraine. He said, it doesn't look good. This is before any of this happened. And he made a, a very powerful comment, something along the lines of, Pray for Russian Ukraine. Um, fratricide is a special kind of evil. So remember that. This is
0: brothers turning against yeah. brothers. Yeah. Is he back in Russia now?
1: Uh he is he's actually he's there's Russian Orthodox influence, obviously, but this is American Orthodox Church, so he's from San Francisco.
0: Oh, okay. I thought he was <laughs> visiting internationally. No, but this is also okay. something that
1: I'm very interested in is Godspeed in San Francisco um, as well. <laughs> something that's gonna be very confusing to track. You've got two Orthodox countries at war. And I can already tell the church is like, what is going on? Like be diligent, pay attention. There's going to be a lot of weird propaganda.
0: Yeah. Diversify your sources.
1: Yep. There's going to be propaganda from our side. There's gonna be propaganda from Russia. Mm -hmm. The uh, media cycle of war is particularly nasty. Yeah. And then don't, don't only focus on the war news. Keep an eye out on other news that will try to be brushed under the rug with a new excuse, you know, to cover stuff up. Be be diligent all around. War breeds all sorts of nastiness. But we are lucky enough to ignore the current cycle and back up a little bit. Well and dive into this suggestion
2: from Mr. In way of transition, I first I just wanted to pay you guys a compliment for like I've been loving the whiskey bench in the last two months. Like sometimes it feels bittersweet to listen, mostly because like you know, I could probably pinpoint a couple spots where I'm like, "Oh, I would probably ask this question right mm-hmm. about now," <laughs> um, which I've been doing on Twitter, and you guys have been.
0: I was just gonna say, tweet it. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. I've been doing that plenty, but uh, I just wanted to applaud you guys. I love the news and brews every other week. I love the long form deep dives on ideologies right now. Like, it's it's an entertaining and informational. So, kudos. Cool. I love it.
0: Thank you. I had good a podcasters.
3: <laughs> thank oh, you, Henning. Thank you.
0: We I, I had a um I haven't told you this yet, Torrin, but I had one of my coworkers uh who's a research fellow with Perk told me the other day that she's been listening to the show and that she likes the deep dives a lot. Um and she was like, It's entertaining enough that I've I'm listening all the way through. <laughs> so <laughs> wow. and coming from hey, her, that's a good. high compliment. So I was like, All right, that's that's great. So good encouraging feedback.
2: Very nice. Yeah, it's very good. <laughs> oh, here's a segue. Speaking of good podcasters, so Joe Rogan, huh? Let's just get yeah. into oh, it. Man. So <laughs> I, di- I didn't know how much of like a timeline review we needed to do. It is a complex situation. And honestly, I don't envy Joe Rogan for being in his position. I envy his listenership. I like, God, I would kill, <laughs> and his yeah, I would kill for yeah, download exactly.
1: numbers, fam damn it yeah, yeah. but alas <laughs> so would uh everyone else you know tv news <laughs> top podcasters yeah, of
3: it. yeah. yeah. <laughs> which is something
2: i want to talk about because i think some of what is happening to him is because mainstream media is recognizing that like oh you mean an individual can gain this much power over a, yeah. <laughs> a medium like this that's crazy right But so the basic thing that we're here to talk about is Joe Rogan inviting a couple guests on that were then called out by like a board or like a consortium of doctors who wrote a letter to Spotify saying like, "Hey, he's helping promote like things that are verifiably not true about vaccines or COVID or whatever."
0: Pause. Yeah, can I say something real quick? My understanding is that it was revealed that most of those, or not most, I shouldn't say most, but a substantial portion of the 140 quote-unquote doctors that signed that letter were not, in fact, doctors.
1: Oh, great details. I didn't know this. This is interesting. Or weird doctors, like a doctor in economics. They weren't MDs. Yeah, they weren't MDs. Oh, very Um, interesting. Which I think is an important There's, like, people
0: have, like, doctorates in, like, communications. And just
1: attach
2: credentials Okay. Yeah. Yes. Good to know. Yeah. So that happened and then uh, Twitter blew up for a while about it and Joe Rogan issued an apology video that was like 10 minutes of him standing in what I thought was his front lawn. Probably not his just because like weird Redditors are really good at triangulating exact oh, locations. <laughs> <Where am I? laughs> yeah. Totally. Here's the corner of a house <laughs> and a cloud. Um, <laughs> People can figure that shit out. So Reddit. post this video on Instagram and that's actually what got Zach tweeting at me was he tweeted a link to this Instagram video at me and said like, Hey, I'd be curious for you to come back and talk about this. Cause he, so he issues an apology. Joe Rogan talks about like, yeah, like I'm doing what I've always been doing, which is inviting people who I find interesting, who are experts in their field or have heterodox thoughts that shouldn't be shied from, and they shouldn't necessarily be silenced just because they're heterodox. Like I want to hear people out, which has always been his MO. And then like two weeks later, after that, uh, slightly pe- things are dying down, but also some people are doing insane deep dives. And a compilation video of Joe Rogan saying the N-word uh, I, a bunch about of times, that. I literally forgot about that. Um, yes. Got produced and got blasted across Twitter.
0: Which, can I just ask, who paid for that? How much time did somebody spend I can tell you. going through hours and hours of footage. So I can
2: tell you the reason it blew up so, was because of a Twitter account called Patriot Takes that's associated with the super pack I think it's pronounced media's touch. It looks like Midas touch mm-hmm. when you look at it. But it's a it's a super pack <laughs> of three like media bros who are big like Bernie heads and Clinton fans and eventually they they endorse Joe Biden Goblins. and stuff like that. Yeah, so, <laughs> God. There Sorry, were a God, lot what? of Incentives clearly <laughs> going on there, yeah. especially like right. bringing to light the use of one specific word.
3: Mm-hmm. I
2: think, if I remember right from the video, it was like 20 or 30 instances of it. And
0: and pulled it out of context when he was talking about my understanding is he was talking about somebody's like it was a book or something, and that was in the title or something. I mean, like, like that. can
2: you even talk about how to kill a mockingbird <laughs> without using? we're seeing that word in print, you know, like, yeah, that's, right. Yeah, yeah. Exactly.
0: He, I mean, look, Joe Rogan, I don't think anybody thinks that Joe Rogan is like no. racist and uses the N word as a well, slur. Well, and
1: I, the other I thing, disagree with that statement. The other, th- you don't oh. think
0: people, some people, some think people, that. I think a lot of people think that. that. Sure. Okay. Well, any, all right. Yeah. <laughs> people who listen to him would know. Yeah, true. Well, that's just I, it,
2: which yeah. is my point actually, because a couple of those clips I recognize because I used to listen to Joe Rogan a lot before he moved into Spotify exclusively and some of the conversations he was having was about he, he was discussing with black friends and black comedians, the use of the word, like it was coming out because they were discussing like, does this word get to have the power as if it was like saying Voldemort in Harry Potter? Like it, like does it allow is it allowed to have like this magical quality of the unspeakable he who must not be named, right? Or the N word that must not be named. And at that point he issues a second apology, you know, talking about in any context, I probably shouldn't have been using the word and I apologize for that. And I, th- I think he's, uh, I think in the video he uses a phrase like, this is like the worst blemish on my career. I mean, pretty storied career, especially with, um, MMA commentary. He hosted uh, Risk Factor. Is that right? Fear, Fear Factor. factor.
3: <laughs>
2: um, and now, and being a stand up comedian. That was and, great. Yeah.
1: So, and 10,000 hours of podcasting. Right. Yeah,
2: dude cranks out content with the help of his producer, Jamie. Hey, Jamie, pull that up. Anyway. Um,
0: <laughs> Everyone needs a Jamie. Just in oh, my life, gosh. At all times.
2: <laughs> yes. I actually agree. I think it would be fun to have Jamie's job, actually.
0: <laughs> totally, <laughs> I thought. That. <laughs> oh, yeah.
2: So uh, he releases that. People continue to dive deep into all his his works. And, and he has some pretty rough jokes in some old stand-up routines. Uh, the one that comes up a lot is the Planet of the Apes joke that he kind of refers back to black people, uh, which is unsavory. And at the time, it was like, "Ooh, comedians being edgy, but I mean, I, I think some people would probably make that argument now, but i I think in good faith, he recognized that, yeah, that probably wasn't my best move, even as a comedian. Like sometimes making a joke at other people's expense, whether that be an individual or an entire people group, is something that gets a cheap laugh from an audience, you know. So he issues that apology, and then Spotify. In a in a move that a lot of people were well not bewildered by, but I guess I think it's up to hundred and thirteen episodes of his of his backlog have been removed from Spotify.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow, that many! Yeah, you know? wow. Um, not the Robert Malone. Well, not no, the co- right? all
3: or all
2: of this is pre COVID. Like the ones that were removed were all in reference to the second apology and like the okay. racism conversation yeah. around Joe Rogan not the COVID stuff. Which
1: I want to say, I don't know if maybe you've caught up with this a little bit more. I want to say he also like Joe Rogan himself was part of that. Yeah, he so that
2: that was, I have an article actually that Spotify and him, Spotify and himself, he actually explained that he chose to remove those episodes. Gotcha. Um, And which of course bad faith actors would then be like, oh, he's just trying to cover his ass. It's like, okay, but is this, is it not possible for someone to, to yeah, make exactly. a what legitimate, solution, sincere then? apology yeah. for a wrong they feel they have committed? And like, what, what do you want beyond that? Like he took,
1: he made, he, he took the steps. They
0: want to destroy you, him.
1: Yeah. What, and what people don't realize with Joe Rogan's podcast too, is like taking down episodes is putting money where his mouth is because like they update his episodes with current ads. Yes. Yeah, right. Oh, they do. They, they go backlog and update Yeah, they dynamic and with add With current insert. promo codes, everything right. like that. So... Like, it is costing him something to remove those. Yeah. 113 out of
2: how many episodes he's right. released. What? Right. Uh, yeah, so that's kind of like his whole story. I think the things I wanted to talk about with him specifically were like, I used to listen to him a lot honestly um mm-hmm. before he moved over to Spotify and most of my beef is honestly with Spotify like I fear I might end up disappointing Zach <laughs> because honestly my <laughs> takes on Joe Rogan are almost completely separate from Spotify and my takes on Spotify were only and merely kicked off by them buying Joe Rogan's distribution rights but mm-hmm. so on on Joe Rogan I think the things that like Having like, I feel like I've at least developed enough of a parasocial relationship with him to know that he is not racist, but like above that, I would say that the guy is like undeniably charismatic and, you know, like I said earlier, like his whole shtick is he wants to hear people out who have their own thoughts and honestly, he he has a nice voice to listen to. So like, yeah. It, it doesn't surprise me that someone of his charismatic magnetism could create a show like this, especially because it kind of models for, I mean, really every podcast being the number one podcast on the internet, but like it models for indie podcasts, kind of the ins- inspiration of having long form in-depth conversations that aren't necessarily there to be like the three-minute. Uh, newsreel I mean like Kat you've been on news TV and that sounded miserable at least from the aspect yeah. of like you have 42 seconds to say what you need to say and it's scripted like there's, right. there's exactly. no nuance and you don't get to explore like now hold on there's actually some extra stuff um, Right. so to be honest like Joe Rogan from the beginning like since I started listening to podcasts Joe Rogan like I start, I subscribed to him a while ago and uh, Joe Rogan introduced me to Jordan Peterson and Jocko Willink, like both guys that I have consumed their content. Like I have many books of them on my shelf and I think they have good ideas that have personally like helped me in my life. I, as I apply those principles and that doesn't mean I'm like, (laughs) doesn't mean I'm a Jordan Peterson Stan. Right. But the guy has, Thoughts that I appreciated, especially in a phase of my life that was really about like stepping up to like fulfill a role of responsibility in my my own life, my work life, my family life, like being a husband, being an uncle, even. Mm-hmm. Um, so Joe Rogan has introduced me to hundreds of people that I would have never been introduced to, and honestly, the the entire ethos of he's the one that introduced me to Jonathan Haidt. Yes, yes. Ah, what a gift Jonathan Haidt is! I I'm just Mm -hmm. about to start the uh, the Righteous Mind by him. I have it on my bookshelf. It's up next. I'm very excited about it. But um, so it would be disingenuous for me to be like, "Yeah, I think Joe Rogan's an idiot," because honestly, like his form of podcasting, the long form exploratory type, is like what inspires me the most about making my other show, Ravel, right? or doing a long form interview with normal people on no normal people. Like it it was the format of the whiskey bench for the first year to be like, what do we want to talk about? Okay. Let's talk about that for an hour and not like not have too many notes, but I mean, cat knowing you, you had plenty of notes just because you're that kind of person. And that's awesome. Um, (laughs) But this long form exploratory form is like what I think is beautiful about podcasting. So kudos to the guy who pretty much pioneered that out of Out of an era of like mainstream media that's two second sound bites and all that. so
1: this is a very interesting thing when you when you talk about that. That's such a a crazy cultural shift because If you went back ten years and said, "Hey, I have a pitch." four hour conversations with people <laughs>
3: it, yeah.
1: <laughs> no plot, no snow arcing, no no drama, no suspense. It's really not all that promotional. No sound bits.
0: No anticipation. No yeah. headlines.
1: Right. It, it seems like that would fail, right? You would think. On paper, it yeah, sounds totally. boring, right? Who, who would want that? But right. we're at a point where I think people can't get enough of it.
0: Yeah. Well, and I think this whole drama that has played out really emphasizes this titanic shift that has taken place in our culture and how we consume media. And I think part of what is so threatening to traditional media is is Joe Rogan's audience size and the realization that there's this whole other ecosystem of media that the vast majority of people are way more tuned into and way more interested in. And like, Mm -hmm. this is where that, where media is evolving toward. Um, And traditional media is going to be totally obsolete. And I think for me, like, and I'm sure a lot of people, probably both of you as well, part of the pressure to censor, part of what's so scary about the pressure to censor Rogan is, is that if they succeed in doing that, they've, they have set their sights on all Podcast platforms, I, I forget where it was. It was either The Times or the Post, but there was a piece an article written that was sort of questioning like, do we need more government oversight of podcasts because it's just this place where people can get on and say whatever they want, and that could potentially be dangerous. so like if he falls, we're all yeah. screwed in this right. world
2: of which podcasts. was heartening when the news came out that he himself was the one who chose to remove a handful of episodes. That he felt reflected poorly on where he he is at in his life right now. Like, Mm -hmm. uh, I guess you could make an argument to say, well, you should leave him up to show the development of, like, who you used to be to who you are today. But, like, also, he's kind of in a public eye, and it's uncomfortable to have a video come out of you saying the N-word a bunch of times. Like... Yeah, that would be miserable for me because I want everyone to like me, and I want to make a life out of podcasting, and that's a really weird dichotomy. Because like, right, it like is I've really gotten weird. one star now, reviews this- on Ravel, and that sends me into a tailspin for the rest of the day, and I'm like, why am I giving <laughs> well, this person so that. much and power look,
1: over me? I I want to right. say something on that. It's human nature. Okay, um, there are people that I know with the Joe Rogan thing that were like. Oh, you can always just, like, give it a negative review. That's all fun and games until someone comes for your podcast. And I understand, like, with Ravel, theology is something that's very... It can be touchy. Touchy yeah. with people, right? I can promise you that, like, I disagree with most of all of y'all's theology, okay? But I listen because it's interesting. And I'm not familiar with it. And a lot of times I leave an episode of Ravel being like, wow, I totally don't agree with that. That was a great episode.
0: Well, you're an open-minded person.
1: But like sometimes they say stuff where I'm like, ooh, that makes me uncomfortable. Like it takes a certain kind of weak person to leave a negative review Mm. on a podcast because you don't like what Mm. they're saying.
0: Okay. I think there's a difference between leaving a negative review, which in my mind is like that it, that is the free market at work. You leave a negative review for bad service right. at a restaurant that helps that's good it's feedback part of the ecosystem. for people to either improve yeah. or fail and mm-hmm. something better to take its place. But there's a difference between that and then having like the most powerful entities in the country work in lockstep to censor you. That's scarier to me than just Criticism from people on an individual level.
1: I know, but this all starts with the group of 140 doctors or whatever, you know, like
0: those. Yeah, well, right. It starts with the people like that
1: that that put some pressure. They're like, "Oh, okay, well, all right. Guess we'll deal with this." And obviously, goes deeper than that, as we we're going to talk about media and things like that, and this um, tension between individual media and corporate media but Mm -hmm. it's just it's it's unfortunate because it's easy to take stuff out of context with the joe rogan video was it oh shoot what was it was it a new york times or maybe a maybe it was a new york times the the counter to that which again is just so stupid and petty was like someone made a video of like joe biden saying the n-word out of context and then, like the New York Times, who like literally the week before wrote a story about the Joe Rogan, was like, "This is really dangerous because it lacks important context." <laughs> right. And you're like, "You can't make this stuff up, right?" Yeah. And so there are certain people that I think just can't be reasoned with—people, mm-hmm. uh, media groups, you know, things like that. It's yeah. like they got a bottom line, they got an agenda, they can get away with it. Um, but it's good to hear your perspective, Henning. I think it's a—I think it's a good perspective. So what's what's interesting
2: um, to me too is thinking about his position is like I mean clearly the guy has a vast audience that he I'm not sure ever foresaw obtaining.
3: Mhm. No, I don't think and so. And like
2: uh, uh, it 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 seems like especially with the apology videos and you know, I haven't listened to episodes since the the apologies came out cuz I don't use Spotify for reasons we will cover later. Um I it seems like he's been incredibly slow to realize the the amount of sway he holds. Now, like I think like uh, like there's there's the insane version of like I think there are people who can't be reasoned with with Joe Joe Biden versus Joe Rogan N-word videos. Um and, and while I think it's exaggerated, I still, I, I do think there is at least something to people trusting Joe Rogan implicitly because like, man, he just talks to people he's interested in. And I respect that. And um, I think it's really easy for people who consume podcasts or consume media in general. I mean, this happens all over the place. Like you follow your favorite Twitter person and eventually someone like eventually like critical thinking starts to get checked at the door as soon as you hit play and like his, his thoughts become my thoughts sometimes like things can get blurry that way. So like as, as much as I think it is exaggerated, I think it probably does happen that people think that it's worth taking legitimate medical advice from him. I mean like how many people jumped on the carnivore diet as soon as Jordan and Michaela Peterson tried to make it popular. Right. Like
0: mm-hmm. sure, but people do that across all. Eh. How many people consume MSNBC and never oh, yeah. or Fox and never question anything that no, they're told? And that's you know? what I
2: mean. But I think reasonable journalists, especially Montana—well, not especially Montana, but like especially journalists who are close to what I—I I mean, like from the beginning of the Whiskey Bench, I always said like paying attention to local and state politics are way more important to me than federal, just because I think that's where my vote has the most power. So I'm going to pay attention to it. So, like, Montana journalists do a lot of talking about, like, the legitimacy of journalism training and, like, doing good work inside of journalism. And I think, mm-hmm. I mean, like, we can throw accusations at MSNBC or Fox for being, like, not as scrupulous as small-time Montana journalists, um, but they at least have a conversation about it. Whereas, I think it's, it's taken a while for Joe Rogan to kind of realize, like, oh shit I say things and people believe me um and that could be like when he's stoned out of his mind and he says it because he's high like I've I've said weird things high um <laughs>
0: I like when he gets a little tipsy. I don't listen to him all the time. I only listen when I want yeah. to hear the guests. Yeah. I have to admit, though, I like when he gets a little tipsy because he, he's I funny. agree. He's a comedian, <laughs> man. Of course he's funny. Humor comes out. It's, it's great.
2: Um, <laughs> but I, I do think, I mean, like, how, how do you guys think of this? Is, like, the, the Whiskey Bench audience begins to grow more than mm-hmm. it already is. Like, don't you feel an increased sense of responsibility to, like, cite your sources on a news and brews, or like tweet a fact check if you get something wrong.
0: Well, we already, we already do that. I think we both totally. have a pretty strong conviction about totally not getting things wrong. I know I'm like always worried about getting it wrong <laughs> and trying right, to, right. and, and, and try like, to make those corrections. That's happened.
1: But it's hard too because at the end of the day, we're not journalists and we're not
0: pretending or, And Joe Rogan's not. Right. right.
1: And he doesn't pretend to be. True.
0: And I think we have to just like people. So what is the alternative? People are going to. There's all sorts of harebrained things people are going to believe. People are going to believe cheap advertising from, you know, some shitty company that makes a crappy product. And they're going to keep buying it because they believe the bullshit advertising that you could argue, is disinformation, right? And so, like, at a certain... What is the alternative? We have to somehow police that? You know, like, that's and it's idiotic I, it's in my It's hard, too,
1: with Joe Rogan because... Yeah, he's not a journalist. He's not pretending to be. And he's also not... He's not, like, promoting somebody...
0: Or even reporting on news.
1: Uh, Yeah, more so, more than just like, hey, let's introduce this person. This is what they think. He doesn't have anyone backing his legitimacy. It's not like someone going on TV and being like, hey, I work for the CDC. I represent or the CDC represents me and I represent the CDC. There's mutual. Yeah, right. um, Right. There's not. That's not in place. There's not that hierarchy of... Totally. Like accountability in place? We're going to take a quick break, then we'll be back to our conversation. If you like what you're hearing, the best way to tell us about it would be on Apple Podcasts. There you can leave us a five-star rating and a one-or-two-sentence review to help others find the show. Thank you to Reagan James for the use of our theme music, The Habit, off her album, Message. Find her work on Spotify and Apple Music. And thanks to Highline Media Network for having us as a founding podcast. Here's a quick preview of a recent episode from our sister show, The N2 Podcast. And it's that I got this unusual gift of finding out that my love has an incurable autoimmune disease that will shorten her life by up to 20 years. That seems like an odd gift, but. My stupid, dumb, giant tattoo on my ribs. Mm. Yeah. I have grown to love so much mm. over the years. You
0: know? Yeah, freaking nerd. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me what you like about me. Don't be a dick. Oh, yeah. oh yeah? yeah?
2: Name 10 things about Katie that you oh, like yeah? then.
0: Oh, yeah, you like me? Why don't you marry me, <laughs> sucker? Name her
1: first album. <laughs>
0: yeah. I-
1: and now, back to our conversation.
3: And maybe there's maybe there's a step in here that uh, would be
2: I think it would be exciting to see is that he adds Jamie 2.0 or just <laughs> he adds another person to his team to like I'm not I'm not saying we have to like, you know, fall in line with what the CDC is saying, because as, as we've recognized like that information fluctuates as new data comes in and like we figure out different things and whatever.
0: New data, including polling numbers and political pressure. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, sure. Um, but
2: <laughs> I think, I, and I'm not asking for policing. God, like, if 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 information policing comes to podcasting, like, then I I truly believe that we've lost one of the last decentralized forms of media on the internet. Mm-hmm. Um which is, is is why I'm a huge fan of podcasts. But I guess this, this is kind of me just thinking out loud of like you guys as the whiskey bench have already taken the personal responsibility to, uh, tweet corrections on yourself, like cite your sources and even spend the time on your episodes discussing like, well, so this came from this outlet and we know this, they have this bent and they have this incentive because they're funded by Bezos or whatever. um, and i think there's probably a step in here that joe rogan could probably just recognize that he has an insane amount of maybe responsibility in the term in the sense of like recognize that a lot of people look up to you and i think it's it's worth
1: right there's a lot of responsibility yeah, that comes with
2: that yeah absolutely which i think he appropriately recognized in his first apology video when he was talking about the coronavirus stuff so like the the episode with the controversial doctor who obviously, like, honestly, I'm forgetting his name right now. If you guys.
0: There was Robert Malone and there then something. I think
2: the Malone think one is name. that that was the guy who, like, uh, was involved in early generation of mRNA, mRNA. technology. And then. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, can I ask you a question?
1: Yeah. You- did you listen to that episode? I have chance? not because I don't
3: have
2: Spotify.
1: Okay. I wanna just say I think a lot of people actually I almost guarantee anyone that was criticizing that did not listen to that. I episode. think that is very and I don't true. Say that lightly. Yeah. I I did not listen to it until like two weeks after this started. And I was like, What right. is going on? And I listened to it. And Kat and I had this conversation. Never once did he make a medical suggestion. He was
0: careful not to. Careful. Never
1: once did he call anyone out Mm -hmm. or attribute motive to anyone or ideas to anyone.
0: Yeah, he would repeatedly say like, I can't know their motivation, so I can't answer that question, Joe Rogan. This is what's
1: going on. Yeah. He did address some issues that he had with the vaccine. He never said, don't take the vaccine. He never said it was bad for everyone. He just pointed out some stuff. And then had a much more interesting conversation later on about um, more like social media influence and uh, manipulation.
0: Mm -hmm. And he was opposed to mandates, but not to the vaccine itself. Mm -hmm. Two different things.
1: And so it's just, it's very hard to navigate this or understand the counter argument when like, I don't even listen to Joe Rogan that much. Like I go listen to it. I'm like, I don't like, this is what they're after him for. Like, I don't like I can only say and I, I, if someone did listen the, and they have a different perspective, like you got to You got to tell me what's going on. Like, no, in no way, in any way, was it medical misinformation, which is exactly what they're trying to nail him for. Right. And I understand there's like some conflict with him and the whole ivermectin thing. But I also have a hard time hinting. I'd like to hear your point in this taking anyone serious that's making joke about horse dewormer when everyone knows damn well he didn't take horse dewormer
0: cnn is the one who lied about him taking horse dewormer they they presented misinformation by presenting right. so they totally presented that out of context and made it sound like he had taken literal horse medication like when in reality like animal in
1: a, grade like no right. he went went was his prescribed doctor. by his
0: doctor and it's something that's been used for like over a decade on people and you can have your opinions about whether you think it's useful or not but it's it is fda approved it's and FDA it approved. was prescribed it's by on the doctor. list of
1: most effective and essential medicines in the world
0: right so and it's so absurd
1: it doesn't open up a good dialogue for like oh okay ivermectin may or may not work let's have that conversation it just turns into like you're telling him he's spreading medical misinformation but you are spreading medical misinformation to smear him. Mm-hmm. And so it's just hard to navigate. that. That's why you,
0: no one can have a monopoly on truth. We can't trust any entity right. because they're, they have their own motives and interests. And,
1: and so yeah. how do you navigate that Henning? Cause to me, I get so like, I just have to ignore it cause I get so frustrated. Um, like, I, I, I want to <laughs> hear oh a really good conversation about ivermectin.
2: I'm the, I'm the worst then probably because I probably chose to, ignore it further upstream than even you did mm-hmm. um i mean like yeah like so i'm vaccinated and i i'm down for vaccines i get my flu shot and i think that actually served me pretty well when i got COVID. like from the people who were like getting it around me um i think my symptoms were less less bad to be perfectly honest um which i'm, I'm glad they were i didn't have to go to the hospital uh especially being at slight risk for that because I have exercise induced asthma. Which sounds like fat people disease, but it really is not, I promise.
1: No, I know a lot of people that have it. I know some really <laughs> stupid fit people that have it. <laughs> yeah, I've
2: I've had people make fun of that for me. It's like, okay, that's
1: not well, people are helpful. insufferable hinting, so <laughs>
2: yeah, that's true. So um so like I I honestly don't know how to comment on the ivermectin thing at all. It and was, this
0: is I mean, well, very, way, it it's not even about about that, but more broadly, just are you're referring more broadly to like to sort like, of this hypocr- hip- hypocritical use of right. misinformation, quote unquote. Right. Sure.
2: Which so I I've also been guilty of tweeting at what at the time I thought was a joke, or like I tried to say it in a uh, lighthearted way, but I I tweeted something along the lines of like. See if you never respected Joe Rogan from the beginning then you would never like take his misinformation as medical fact or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um which I said tongue in cheek but also like it was a it was a cheap shot at a trending Twitter topic and like I'm not deleting the tweet but I'm also not no. actually that proud of it cuz I've reflected since then and I like I used to listen to, to Joe Rogan a lot. He's introduced me to a lot of people that um have real estate on my bookshelf now who I've like read cover to cover and taken notes and applied principles so like i i think it's really easy to um get swept up in the twitter moment that's true right and just like and throw something out there like that like i did um which also shout out zach hayes he he engaged in a dialogue with me about that too and uh it it helped me even just kind of like come out of that fog of like well, everyone's dunking on Joe Rogan right now, so maybe I should. Um so I so we've done we did in the past a misinformation discussion. Mm-hmm. I think that was hot buttered rum, if I'm not mistaken. I I honestly don't know if I have much to rehash. I mean, like, I I think on an individual level, I think Rogan has some Uh, some growth to do and just in terms of kind of like coming to terms with how much sway he holds I don't know if I want him to do things differently because like I said quite honestly his model for podcasting is pretty much modeled everything I've built Highline against or like toward right like wanting to promote discussing things that matter with normal people and things that matter to them so like no normal people is all about Uh, having people talk about what they're passionate about after telling a little bit of their story, like where they grew up, what their family was like growing up, what kind of kid were they in high school? Like, where did Mm -hmm. they go to college? What, what, what were the main beats of their story to lead us to the moment that we're having an interview and let me then talk about what wakes you up in the morning? Like, what do you think and talk about when you have nothing else to think and talk about? Like if anything, Joe Rogan has inspired me to think about that in terms of literally everyone I meet.
3: Right?
1: Yeah, totally. And like
3: it, it's very likely that I've had guests on no normal
2: people that have said something that is factually incorrect. I'm not gonna like smear them for misinformation either. I don't know. I think like we said on the hot butter drum episode, I think disinformation, misinformation, malinformation that I'm seeing a lot now is like it's all
3: they're convenient words for people when they have nothing else to say. I agree with that. Yep.
0: I think on the Joe Rogan point, like if he were to, it seems like he kind of has two choices. He can either continue with the format he has and have conversations without an agenda with people from all different walks of life who bring different perspectives to the mic, or he can start curating it and, Bring in another Jamie and try to fact check things in real time beyond what he kind of already does. But, like, you know, he, it could become more structured and self censored. And if he does that, to me, that puts way more pressure on him to get it right. Mm-hmm. And to make, because then all of a sudden he's a news presenter and he needs to make sure he's presenting the most accurate news. And that would change the entire nature of his show. Mm. Mm -hmm. And I think it almost makes more sense for him to like keep doing what he's doing, maintain the expectation or set the expectation if it's not there already that like he's not telling anybody what to think. He's not presenting anybody with quote unquote facts. He's having conversations with people Mm -hmm. and he's not responsible for what they say.
1: And that can be good or that can be bad because there are times where I like that more structured. Like I know that this person is reliable again.
0: But that you don't go to Joe Rogan for that.
1: I don't. And Kat and I had this conversation again the other day, and we're like, we've been listening to Joe Rogan on and off for a while, and like, there I yell all the time when I'm listening to Joe Rogan. Yeah, me too. Like, what the hell are you talking about? Totally.
0: I've ended so many of his episodes being like, they're both fucking idiots. And I just turned, yeah, uh, turned yeah. it off. Yeah.
1: But like, no like, I just I get confused because like, you can say, like, oh, he has a lot of influence and people admire him. I admire Joe Rogan. I think he's a good guy. I think he's good at what he does. I think he presents a lot of interesting guests. But like, at some point, you have to be like, okay, he's got 10 million listeners or whatever. Like, is it your job to like, Try to con- like manipulate or control those listeners to like have the same care in their listening as we do. Like we right. And how many of them are just listening and believing everything?
0: Well, exact one. That's one good point. Is how, how do we know that any of these people are really taking any advice? And what taking if ninety percent says, of
1: them are like us three?
0: Exactly. So there's that one point. Right. And the other point. Is escaping me right as I'm trying to say it. <laughs> Don't you hate that?
1: Oh, this God is the it. worst for podcasting. I have, yes. I have a thought. Unless It'll you want to think for me. a second on this, you
0: talk and I'll um, think. <laughs> I also
1: think because I'd like to kind of shift into the mainstream media topic. Oh there is something incredibly disingenuous, and I think more manipulative about somebody being given like five minutes on air to say their little beautiful script and say, Hey, this is what so-and-so says about this topic. And you know, CDC says this, or, you know, so-and-so energy department says this, I think personally, that's so much more manipulative than Joe Rogan sitting there. He's not censoring anybody. And that person now has four hours where they have to talk about what they do and what they believe yeah with someone that's not they're not guiding the questions to get an answer out of them that's for joe rogan's agenda somebody's talking in a four-hour podcast someone's talking three hours probably because joe rogan doesn't talk that much in his podcasts unless it's like with friends and comedians and stuff and they're just spewing out information and like there's some value in listening to somebody and personally being like are they consistent Is what they're saying making sense. Like all these things are valuable. Yeah. And the longer you're talking, the more likely you are to stumble or your true colors to show.
0: Totally. Yeah. More information empowers the listener to make, to come to more informed, better uh, conclusions than the five second hot take on the news. The, the. Point I was going to make is that it sounds it seems like there's almost maybe a cultural problem. And again, this is a theme we constantly beat on. It's funny <laughs> happening that we haven't even this hasn't come up since <laughs> since you left, but but personal responsibility. Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, Do we really do we really want to censor Rogan to reinforce this idea that people that people are sheep and they're going to just be fed information and take it in and not question it. Like, why don't we put the onus back on the individual listeners to use critical thinking and be discerning. Right. And it's okay. If you hear something that is wrong, totally you have A big brain and you can figure out that it's wrong. Yeah. I mean, it what,
2: what it is is condescending to assume that anyone is just going to totally. be like, Oh wow. Rogan said it. It must be true. You know,
0: totally. Right. And it's also like, doesn't this just show the true colors Of corporate media and how fearful they are like.
2: Oh, yeah, absolutely. That
0: they're afraid of people hearing honest, uncensored conversations that that it's going to threaten the paradigm that they've created. I think that speaks volumes about them more than it says anything about Joe Rogan.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah, it totally does. Man, and especially being in Spotify's position. What a weird, yeah. So, okay, like so, so I, okay, yeah. so I thought my tweet was a little cringy, right? Like my my little shots fired at Joe Rogan. Me, a small time podcaster in Montana with less than four hundred Twitter followers. Um, Neil Young, hey, though. At least you God have more damn than it, fifty.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you got more than me, <laughs> Neil
2: Young, though, guys.
0: <laughs> yeah, a, yeah okay uh, so i don't know
2: how much you followed with this oh no, i have plenty this okay this can so like i know can, this made cat sad because he was all over your playlists because he makes yeah, yeah. i want
0: that really was a bummer yeah but he still is it so ruined. don't worry no he's not
2: not on spotify oh on spotify. i thought he came back
0: no that's that that was misinformation mm, <laughs> see there you go i don't listen there are, to some, there are some albums that clearly he doesn't have any rights over mm-hmm. and it's like a some kind Ooh, of I don't know right collaboration right. so some of that stuff still on there but yeah. his full discography is not on there
2: Neil Young is great I, I'm into the music cat you're clearly into music I think that's yeah. awesome
0: appreciate his work um
2: so a little bit of background on this because I think it informs kind of what ended up happening in 2021 Neil Young sold 50% of his publishing rights for his entire catalog to a uk-based like investment fund mm-hmm. um
0: which is owned by Pfizer. no
2: some big name music executives are involved um but apparently the deal went down reportedly for 150 million um for 1180 songs total nice now Another thing to keep in mind is that Spotify currently, according to Business Insider, I have a bunch of articles and podcasts by the way for the show notes this week. I hope you guys are down for
1: flooding the yeah, show notes loaded I, like it it. Up. I hope you, <laughs> uh, I hope like at least one person looks at it and like listens to a podcast we recommend. So
0: it. I always look for show notes. So yeah, I hope other people do. I love do. that.
2: So Spotify reportedly pays uh, rights holders between a third of a penny and a half a penny per stream. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Um,
0: there's a lot of streaming happening those half pennies add up
2: right Uh, especially for Neil Young Um, and approximately 70% of the total revenue earned per stream goes to the artist while the rest is absorbed by the platform itself because that's how they make money of course Um, so Neil Young decides to pick up the mantle of quote Spotify can have Rogan or Young not both Yep. Which I thought was hilarious. It was.
0: The memes were good after that. Yeah.
2: And uh, like I even liked in Rogan's apology video, he's like, I don't know what I did. Like I love Neil Young. I
1: like like Neil Young. I like his his story was really funny. Um,
2: (laughs) Yeah. Which which was honestly a little bit heartbreaking because like Rogan, he was saying like, yeah, I grew up listening to Neil Young. Like this was some of the music of my childhood and like early adulthood. and." that just feels bad and i can't imagine what it would be like for like silent planet to be like fuck Stephen henning for his podcast yeah we're
1: not listening to yeah <laughs> it'd be heartbreaking wouldn't it I'd be like okay oh. i guess i'm just going to go under a boulder and die now thank you yeah exactly but also you know this again like this is a good opportunity too cuz I, I guarantee if neil young in good faith is like look joe rogan like what you've done was offensive to me like do you want to have a conversation imagine a joe
0: rogan neil young Dude, episode. that'd be a good episode and joe rogan would do it i, I guarantee totally, totally he would yeah
1: but that puts a lot of pressure on neil young he would never. yeah it. yeah so
2: so neil young drops the ultimatum and directs ba- basically his whole music executive team to be like all right start pulling it all and uh you know neil young being like the eco justiest eco justice hippie warrior that he is um goes and takes
0: Yeah, can I just goes and takes this ball home and moves over to
2: Amazon.
0: All <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, okay. So the whole thing is just brimming with hypocrisy, especially considering the fact that Neil Young literally has a whole album and like did a whole tour about GMOs and Monsanto, which you could easily argue was like misinformation about, you know, big farm, you know, big ag poisoning people or whatever and i also think it's particularly ironic that he is standing up literally defending big pharma and big government yeah against yeah an individual podcaster it's like where did you go wrong neil young and go back to the desert being
2: the yeah being the famous hippie that he is he's going to move on over to amazon the people that (laughs) yeah (laughs) because jeff bezos is such a champion for eco justice as well like what right what (laughs) so it's my neil young take um (laughs) unsurprisingly is a he's a free market actor. He can do whatever the fuck he wants with his music. That That's is true. true. That's which true. I think it was mostly what I tweeted about when that was happening. Like I didn't necessarily mm-hmm. want to even tweet about like, I think it's great that Neil Young is doing this to stick it to Joe Rogan, the podcaster that I don't listen to anymore. You know, like it's just Neil Young can do what he wants. He still owns 50% of his publishing rights. He can tell people to do it. I like more power to him, right? Like, that's fine. And honestly, looking at the, uh, the trends for his downloads across Apple and Amazon, after he was trending on Twitter for a few days because of mm-hmm. you can have Rogan or Young, not both, and after actually moving, like, his streams shot through the roof on every other platform, and he probably made buku bucks out of it. That's true. And he's probably sacrificing, I what, $10,000- a month from Spotify and Apple and Amazon pay not much more but slightly more per stream so like Mm -hmm. if anything he's making more money so well
0: he already had what 150 (sighs) million just from one deal which is pretty good also pretty
1: honestly I wonder how many of those ticks increase were like like little kids on twitter that like literally didn't know who neil young was
0: and we're looking him up <laughs> and maybe they discovered neil
1: young which would be kind of cool yeah yeah maybe like oh wow some good old or music. a
2: bunch of people searching <laughs> out his uh you know his young rebel songs oh maybe they're, they're feeling like they're sticking it to the man as well like yeah fuck Spotify, yeah, fuck neil young.
3: yeah yeah yeah,
2: yeah.
0: Neil so, Young and Big Pharma. We're was, gonna stick it to Joe Rogan. Yeah.
2: <laughs> In my mind, and I think is funny. It's Alex ridiculous. Falcon Grove of the Into Podcast also pointed out to me, like he he was the one who texted me a bunch of the money stats and stuff. He's like, he's probably making more money now. And honestly, this was a way to gin up attention again for oh yeah, an older musician he, who
0: he's kind of notorious for that, right? Yeah. For these kind of little media stunts. Yeah, I think so. And
2: honestly, I think the whole thing was just like a fun, like virtue signal. Um, Oh, for sure. Yeah. So,
1: Neil Young.
0: Yeah, and then, like, Joni Mitchell tried to get on, and everyone was like, nobody cares about Joni Mitchell. Well, okay, to be fair, (laughs) Joni
1: Mitchell is amazing. (laughs) I saw... I don't... I I actually... don't care for Joni Mitchell. You want to talk about misinformation? I saw... I saw a story that was, like, music icon Neil Young as well as Joni Mitchell, like, try to get off of Spotify, and it was, like, talking about how Neil Young was this music icon, and, and then, like, Joni Mitchell, and I was like, that is mal-intent and misinformation. Like, Joni Mitchell is a music icon. Oh,
0: I didn't know you love Joni Mitchell. <laughs> She's wow. She's like, she is an
1: icon, though. And I was like, give her the respect she deserves, okay? So, Neil Young
2: pulls this off with Spotify. A lot of people mm-hmm. are protesting Spotify, you know. He makes lots of money. He's the one percenters Leaving Spotify, yeah. Like, and again, this might be where I slightly disappoint our friend Zach Hayes, but like I left Spotify months ago <laughs> mm-hmm. for related reasons. Um, but I, I didn't, I, f- I felt like I was finally the guy who's like doing the punk thing before it was cool. Um, when I saw the, the hashtag starting on Twitter. Mm-hmm. So, so Spotify, Spotify. I don't know how familiar, how familiar you guys are with Spotify as like an ecosystem for podcasters. Obviously, it's Mm-mm. pretty new. Um, yep. I think they rolled it out two years ago, three years ago, like hosting... Spotify itself? No, hosting uh, podcasts podcasting. on yep. Spotify. Oh, when they graduated oh, oh. from okay. merely music. Um, Got it. And if I'm not mistaken, Kat, you at least listen to all your podcasts on Spotify. Is that right?
0: Yeah, I listen to everything through Spotify.
2: There you go. That's I, like. It's a great centralized place to listen to your music, listen to your podcasts. There's even a cool feature um cuz why not talk about some goods while i have the floor to talk about some bats mm-hmm. too there's a cool feature um because spotify also owns anchor.fm which is a uh, podcast creation and distribution tool so like you, Whoa. it's basically like the zencaster we're using right here so you record directly into like this web interface for anchor and then you can edit it inside of anchor and then you hit publish and then it shows up on spotify first and then it goes out to everywhere else on an RSS feed. Um, but there's a cool anchor feature, which I've always wanted to play with, um, where, because Spotify obviously already has licensing, um, agreements locked down for all the music they also host on their platform. Um, you can do like a podcast. You can do a show where it's like you and your buddy talking about your favorite music and you can tell anchor to be like, All right, play this clip of me talking, and then play this clip of this song, and then play this clip of me talking, and what Anchor is doing in the background is it's like actually going out to that song on the Spotify servers and counting it as a full stream, as if you had just like went to go listen to your music or put a a playlist on Shuffle, pulls it in for the podcast listener to hear. And then basically puts it back and keeps your podcast audio going. So it's a really cool way for like people who do like music critic shows to have access oh. to all this music where uh, where otherwise. And you
1: get fair use. You don't have to worry exactly. about weird licensing. Because I mean, like Torna, you're Spotify's familiar. taking care You're of that.
2: familiar with it with Regan James. Like you, we had to pay yeah. a licensing fee to choose this song for Whiskey Bench, um, but on Anchor. I think intro music is probably a little bit different. I think it's specifically geared toward the people who want to do like mm-hmm. you know, a show about pop music or whatever and they can play clips or playable yeah. songs or whatever. Um, but cool feature.
1: Uh just randomly, something that this is a good time, for any listeners. Something I really want to try and figure out is how to implement uh one use licensing into our podcasts. Because uh one of my favorite podcasts almost every episode at the end like features some amazing old song that's like somehow relevant lyrically to like what happened in the episode yeah right and there's so many great songs over especially our political ideology series that i like wish i could have found licensing for cuz it would have been so fun to have a unique intro and outro with like tear the fascist down or uh great atomic power um, some of these old, really funny, a lot of old like union songs, mm-hmm. like
0: oh. yeah, that would be cool.
1: So something I'm I've been looking into, like best place to do it, how expensive it would be. Um, maybe maybe through Spotify, I could scheme something up. That's a potential. Uh, anyway, use Anchor. That is a really cool feature. Actually, right. I did not know about that.
0: So as so now now rip on them. Well,
2: so me being the guy who's who's <laughs> like oh, I love Spotify. I'm I'm much better. You know, I I don't know if i'm much better i use apple music now um (laughs) and honestly that's easier for me because a lot of people i know use spotify for like the music discovery tool like the new Mm -hmm. recommended 40 every week you know discover weekly um and honestly i listen to so many podcasts i rarely listen to music so when i listen to music it's going to be music that i'm familiar with that i can sing along to that i can jam to or it's going to be like one of the three bands albums that i stay up on um, so I never used the discover weekly tool. Um, and I always found their like queuing system to be rather cumbersome. And then
1: this is random. Can I guess those three bands? Oh yeah. Go for it. <laughs> okay. Out, out of the silent, uh, uh, silent planet. silent planet. I don't, I said, almost said out of the silent planet. That's CS Lewis. Book. the title um, of a C.S. Lewis book. Yep. Yeah, uh, <laughs> S- silent planet. But that's what they named the, <laughs> the band. band yeah. Um, that's one of them. Uh, maybe August burns red, but I feel like maybe you're a little burnt out on nope. them. August still burns red for me. Oh, it does. Okay, and then I, I'm gonna guess that the third Ooh. band is not a metal band. Am I right? No, you're wrong. Actually, I'm gonna go see them in say, April. Either I'm going to Denver. I was in April. gonna say you keep up with Zooey Long, Louis Zong, uh, Louis Zong, Zooey Long. Sorry, <laughs> Louis Zong or um, uh, Sleeping at Last. But never mind. So
2: Sleeping at Last is great. Louis it's Louis fantastic. Zong is great. Those two are. It's like, it's common ground music that my wife and I both recognize yeah. that we both like. So we listen to it gotcha. a lot because. Okay. So then the third band's Currents. Uh, no, it's Polaris. <gasps> oh. <Yeah. laughs>
0: you guys Australian are
2: metalcore band. <laughs> They're so actually funny,
1: I did not know you listened to Polaris that Torn-a. much.
2: Are you kidding? Okay. They're going to be in North America <laughs> next month in, in April. Bless their hearts. And I'm flying to in Denver like in the Australia. middle of a work week. <laughs> to crash a night at Alex's house and go see Polaris.
0: You are. This is amazing. <laughs> I am. Nice. I'm
2: very excited for it. So, uh, well, God, what were we talking about? Okay. So I don't use Your discover Pets- weekly, so I never really yep. use that functionality. I always was more frustrated than not with their queuing features, um, that I don't need to rant about, but for podcasting, they started hosting podcasting and being a, like a distribution center or a uh, directory just like apple Podcasts is just like really any other um platform is but apple and spotify right now are the main dominators and actually just last year spotify overtook apple in that like spotify now has like Mm. more than 50 percent of the internet's podcast listening happens on spotify and not out of the apple music directory which is huge Hmm. And clearly, what they needed to do was go and target the number one podcaster in the world, Mr. Joe Rogan, and sign an exclusive distribution deal with him so that they can say, hey, if you want to keep listening to this most popular podcast in the freaking planet, you got to come over here to do it.
3: Yeah.
0: And then once you do that, you're going to migrate all of your content to the platform because it makes sense. To be in one place. Which... Strategy. Which,
2: to be honest, I think is a brilliant move on yep. the part of that business. Um, they now boast more than fifty percent of podcast listening, and their music streaming is shot through the roof, um, though not at a commensurate rate. Like so, since Joe Rogan signed, they were like he was like their flagship. Um, some bigger names have also signed. I mean, like so, Spotify acquired Gimlet Media a number of years yep. ago. Um, those Michelle Obama, Michelle Obama. Yes. Thank you. Um, I think didn't Bruce (laughs) Springsteen and Barack Obama do their show on Spotify too. They probably did. Um, Spotify
1: knew better than to suggest that. They also (laughs) own
2: Dax Shepard's ass. Uh,
3: I didn't know they had
2: Brene
1: Brown,
2: um, is a popular name as well. So like they're clearly going for it, right? These exclusive contracts, which create this walled garden of like, Hey, we all we have a lot of big name podcasters. You gotta come over here to listen to them. Which again is like totally their prerogative. Like I don't necessarily fault them for that, but I do think what they are doing inherently, which Stitcher Mm -hmm. tried maybe seven or eight years ago with Stitcher Premium that never really took off, and iHeartMedia has tried failed experiments with it as well, is what Spotify is doing successfully and that a lot of businesses are trying to emulate now is essentially siloing and like creating the walled garden of podcasts where it's like, I have to use Spotify mm-hmm. to listen to Joe Rogan, but I'm going to use a different app for everything else or, or I just suck it up and just don't listen to it. And that's ultimately the choice I made of like, I like Joe Rogan fine, but like he's not the one that's going to like inspire me to keep Spotify for listening to podcasts or listen to one podcast over here and the other hundred and five shows i'm subscribed to over (laughs) in pocket casts um and so it's this walled garden that i don't like about this podcast ecosystem because ultimately where podcast began was ye humble rss feed which i'm not sure how familiar you guys are with that technology um essentially the same as like the beginning of blogs Um, but basically it's just a distribution center, right? So like Torna and I, when we upload episodes of K and P or Ravel or whiskey bench, um, we upload to a service that creates an RSS, essentially a website, like an RSS link is a website. You can go to my RSS link and see my artwork and see all my MP3 files and you can play them from my RSS website, or you can copy that link and paste it into an aggregator. um. And essentially that's what Apple podcasts or what iTunes originally set themselves up to be like, Hey, put your RSS in here. And when somebody uses our app, they'll go out to my RSS feed and basically like make a local copy or, or eventually stream it so that Mm -hmm. everything is pointing back to the RSS feed as the primary source of where all the data is coming from. And that gives podcasters a, the power to, um, uh, recognize their data and analytics and understand who's using what platform like how are all my traffic streams coming back to my rss feed but b and i
1: think this is the huge or that's how you that's how we even get the data collection that correct we get. um oh. that's how those I know, download like, numbers exactly come him. from like i know 73 people listen on pandora right those those download okay. numbers come
2: from the rss cataloging hey uh not Spotify, because Spotify is different. Um, Apple sent three users our way today and they clicked play. And I think a download right now in the industry counts for ten seconds of audio played. Honestly, it's pretty small. So like when we look at download numbers, gotcha. you kind of have to consider a fluff factor of like, okay, how many people actually like, listen wow, to? Wow, the-
1: thirty five hundred people have listened to all (laughs) 600 hours of whiskey bench like no exactly i wish because it could
2: be someone found an episode which totally has happened to us by the way if you guys didn't know this we forever ago um toward the beginning we had an episode with the uh the cocktail called the wellerman the
1: wellerman Yes. Oh, which oh. was he like C- C- came
2: oh. out on t- like that episode has been downloaded like a thousand times because I swear people were searching for <laughs> the Wellerman wherever they get podcasts. The song.
0: That's funny. What did we talk about that and episode? They, found, they probably opened uh, it and were like, What? The
2: that's fuck? a great <laughs> question, actually. But so this is why SEO works, whatever. Um, but so RSS aggregates all that <laughs> and and catalogs all that for us and says, like, hey. Apple sent this many users my way. Stitcher sent this many users your way and gave you a download. Um, so that that is like the basis of the technology. And what I think the RSS represents is the truest form of like decentralized, like here's the full-on libertarian, is like no one can control my RSS feed. Like that is my, I mean like so... A a a host service helps me generate it, but just as the case is like I use Squarespace for the Highline website right now, I could write an entire website myself. Um, it's just that Squarespace is easier, but if Squarespace ever decided that they wanted to raise prices on me or kick me off, I could hire someone to just write the code for the yeah, website myself website. in the same way. Mm-hmm. You can just generate another RSS feed wherever you want to and then start directing people there. Like, hey, you can get my information over here. Um. Which is a very decentralized, like no one has the, has power over that. And that's the way I think it should be. I think I agree. it's great. Now what Spotify chose to do was because they have so much work put into their algorithm, especially that drives discover weekly. That's trying to map all sorts of patterns of like, wow, it seems like Henning is listening to this one Polaris record four times this week. Um, discover weekly is trying to, that algorithm is trying to pay attention to very specific, like even down to like BPM keys that are used, um, uh, like vocal styles, all that kind of stuff. The algorithm is paying attention to what I'm listening to and then puts together discover weekly to say like, Hey, we found songs that have like these similar elements, but it's not exactly the same. We think you should check it out. And this is how people discover new artists. Um, But in order to do that for podcasts as well, what Spotify does is they get directed to our RSS feed. They get their hands on that file because ultimately the RSS feed is making that file available for anyone. That's why we call it a download because it's a literal download. Um, They get their hands on that file and they make a copy and put it behind their algorithm code. So that they can start mm-hmm. doing the same thing for podcast recommendations.
1: Which famously
2: discoverability is difficult for podcasters. And that's originally how they pitched that idea of like, we're not just a directory like Apple is like, we are doing something
3: different. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that is where like most
2: of my beef with Spotify comes because like my RSS is telling them they have, they have free reign to download that. And so they download that, but then they put it somewhere else and they, they feed analytics back to us. We see that in transistor Torna. Um, but yep. Spotify is just a completely di- different ecosystem in that way.
0: Freudian slip. <laughs> yeah. Oops. <laughs> um, <Complete dex. laughs>
3: yeah. Oops. Um,
2: complete. Yeah. Oops. Um, yeah, <laughs> I honestly think that it's it's been a while since we've done a whiskey bench episode where I talk this much without being interrupted.
1: <laughs> that was weird. <laughs> I like uh, it. it. Yeah, I'm
2: going off, going off, King.
1: Honestly, Pop I'm off. learning a lot right now.
2: Yes. So agreed. When Spotify behaves as a different ecosystem like this, they get to do a lot of things. So uh, the first thing that comes to mind um, in my stream of consciousness here is that now that they have their hands on that file and they kind of do their own hosting to play nice with that algorithm. Um, they get to put anything they put on their platform behind their terms of service, which might be completely different or very in important ways from like the Apple terms of service or the pocket cast terms of service. And, and, and like, I, I don't necessarily I can't forecast how that becomes particularly nefarious, but it kind of gives them power that us podcasters don't necessarily recognize immediately, over our show being on Spotify. Right? Um, The second thing that their whole, like, podcast movement, goes to do is like, yes, they see music streams go up because a lot more people are using Spotify because a lot of people came over to to listen to their podcasts on Spotify. And then it's like, well, I'm, I'm here. I might as well just like flip over to my favorite album. Kat, this is exactly how you use Spotify. And I think that's great.
3: Um, but the, 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 the streams or the third
2: of a penny per stream for a musician, for three minutes of content, say on average the length of a song, does not exist for a podcaster. Even though they're behaving mm-hmm. the same way on their platform, mm. um, we don't get paid per Spotify download, even if it is a third of a cent. Right? Um, we we make money when we make money, basically uh, on our own as small businesses, whether we're reading ads. And as far as I know, Spotify is not doing any sorts of like Spotify-specific, dynamically inserted ads into podcasts right now, like they do on their free radio service.
0: Do can I ask yeah. a question? Um, do all artists make a return on downloads, or is it only select artists that already like have a name and a following? You know, like if I'm I I'm not sure uploaded I'm not, Dax yeah. tunes. Would I be making money if anyone Dacked downloaded Wire it? tunes.
1: Uh, as far as I my I believe yeah. So if you get cleared to be on the platform, right, and you oh
0: you have to go go through some sort of process. Yeah, I mean, there's the the
2: an equivalent process exists to submit the Whiskey Bench RSS to Apple Podcasts too, oh. and a oh, lot okay. of that is okay. just like computer hmm. like machine learning, essentially like making sure that our audio isn't like insanely loud compared to everything else on the platform so that we don't like blast people's ears if our um, volume levels are set differently. So I mean that, that exists for Apple. But so as far as I understand Spotify as a musician, like I have friends who get like a hundred downloads or a hundred streams a month or something. They make money off of that. I mean, I think that totals 30 Mm -hmm. cents. But it's money, right? (laughs) It does add up, and that's obviously economies of scale serve someone like Neil Young, um, in that Mm -hmm. way. Right. Right. But podcasters have no such thing, even though our audio behaves the same way behind Spotify's terms of service. But their terms of service, they're allowed to say like, "No, we don't pay, we we don't pay podcasters, but we pay musicians,"
1: which is very interesting too. Because if someone listens to this full episode, like we had them. On Spotify, we had them engaged with the Spotify app. Two for hours. What's going to be like two hours. Which? Yeah, that's true. Which, so like, maybe we should get like a couple $10. Of
0: cents. Okay. <laughs> and on the
2: other side totally. of that, Torna, brilliant, um, is that is two hours that Spotify does not have to be paying a musician
1: for using their app.
0: No, yes. Right.
1: That is actually very, very interesting. Hmm. And mm-hmm. that is the crux of why I left
2: Spotify as a user. Um,
0: yeah. This sounds like it would make for a really good, like, op-ed on a geeky, like, yeah. tech yeah. blog. Yeah. yeah, dude.
2: Yeah, so I think I think Spotify is it. making business moves that is well within their prerogative to do. Again, um, I, I am a person who's about free markets as... As many questions as I asked over the first year of Whiskey Bench, like I am very much into free markets.
0: (laughs) Are you really? I'm into Neil
2: Young leaving on his own prerogative and making more money on Amazon and Apple. I'm into Spotify doing this. Honestly, just as a business move, it's going to work for them. But what I think it does is it hurts both podcasters and musicians in the long run, especially a small time guys. So an indie Mm -hmm. podcast of our size Does not have the same clout as Joe Rogan does, who independently from Spotify, because again, he's not getting paid. Well, hold on though. He did get paid reportedly a hundred million dollars for those Mm -hmm. distribution rights. Um so Spotify gets to like this
0: can be a bad sound.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Spotify gets to slap their logo nice and wet.
0: (laughs) <laughs> it's really funny Sorry. <laughs> I'm a mess okay. so, yeah. right so then, then Spotify right.
2: goes and gets to slap their logo next to Joe Rogan's third eye or whatever right put their name up <laughs> yeah. on it they don't have to pay him for that but he doesn't care because they bought his ass for a hundred thousand or a hundred million dollars and he's averaging like a hundred and fifty to three hundred thousand dollars an episode just based on cash app ad reads because he gets that many downloads and he has that much sway Dang. over the listenership, um. So like he's fine. the The money factor is fine. But like when you're talking about a show like Whiskey Venture Ravel, where our averages are far smaller. I mean, uh, like in the hundreds per episode, um, probably low hundred. I mean, like Ravel, I think we average right now. We're averaging like 150 an episode,
3: mm-hmm.
2: which to us feels like a great personal success, um. Yeah. But We it's don't awesome. get paid for nearly as much. I mean, we don't get paid for anything on Spotify, um, <laughs> yeah. but at the same time, this is why I haven't made this choice personally or pressured anyone on the Highline network to also protest and like take their RSS feed off of Spotify is I have right. to recognize me being a business owner. Now of the Highline network, like I have to recognize that a good chunk of our downloads come from Spotify a good number of our audience lives on Spotify for music and podcasts. And quite frankly, we don't have the luxury of making a virtue signal like Joni Mitchell or Neil Young do. Right. Like if we want to grow our audience and like
0: invite more people into our
2: conversations, like that would be an insane choice to make. Um, but as a user, I look at that and I say like, well, I understand that people are making more money if I like actually buy the album on iTunes or stream off Apple Music or buy the vinyl, which I've been doing a lot lately just because I like collecting people vinyl. Buying vinyl. Um, like that supports the musician directly. And it gives me, I guess, a sense of moral superiority of saying like I'm not supporting Spotify <laughs> in their business choices, which again, I think are legitimate business choices. I just think it's so against the spirit, the decentralized spirit of what RSS podcasting ever started as.
1: I think that's great. Look, you have legitimate convictions that you've thought about and you've rationalized and you can defend and you made a decision on that. Free markets, baby. That's beautiful. (laughs) Totally. So I respect that. This is really, really helpful, Henning. Like I learned a lot just about the interaction with podcasts just now that I had no idea about, <laughs> and I've been doing this for over a year. So thank you for enlightening, big old dumb dumb Steve. Um, very eye opening. Well, my pleasure, my
2: friend. I also don't feel like I like, like I need to be signing off on this whiskey bench to say like, you should all join me and leave Spotify too. Like, cat, I would never imagine. Telling you to do that, no. be like, follow my rallying <laughs> cry, right?
0: <laughs> I hear you. Well, I respect it. I appreciate it. I have. I'm so. I'm. I got sunk costs into Spotify at this oh, point. It would be quite a lift to migrate everything. Yeah. Yes. So no.
1: Yeah. No. I. I get that. And like this is a good. A good way to wrap up with the whole Joe working conversation and and um compelling people to do things exactly what happened tonight. Is how things should be handled. Henning is not compelling anyone to do anything. Mm-hmm. But he is offering you his reasoning. Some compelling reasons why. Sure. As well as giving Spotify props where it's due with the whole Anchor FM thing. And uh, he's going to leave it up to you, right? Yeah. He's not going to hold it against you if you like Highline Media Network shows but you use Spotify. But like... He's not afraid to state his opinion. So more conversation, which if I might
2: add, I think is a lot of inspiration around the language that Highline is built around. Um, I think when a media company like Spotify decides to um, create a catalog of some of the biggest names in order to build their platform, which again, I think is fine, but like you can rattle off Brene Brown, Michelle Obama, even though that's a garbage, garbage podcast. Are you kidding me?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Does she still do that? Does that, is that still oh, active? Oh God.
2: I honestly don't know because I'm not on Spotify. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Dak Shepard, yeah. Joe Rogan, like these are big names that were obviously huge draws. And mm-hmm. I like a, a media network. I like Highline for the fact that like what we exist as is normal people in normal places. And like, we are names that you do not recognize. I promise you. But if someone texted you a link of this whiskey bench and you've listened thus far, like it is an incredible honor for you to have gifted us this much time, uh, to hear our rants and to hear our thoughts. And I think uh, clearly normal people keep the world running. Um, and I think podcasts belong in the hands of normal people in normal places with the decentralized RSS model of anyone can make it, anyone can do it. I mean, like email me, right. I have a contact form on the Highline website. Like email me. If you want to start a podcast, I will dialogue with you. You could even hire me to be a producer. Like I, I am so in love with podcasting as a medium because I feel like I have done so much intellectual growth because I do a lot of my thinking out loud that this has always felt like a safe space for me to come and like, even if two people get something out of hearing my thought process Mm -hmm. along the way, um, uh, that's also how I've learned is listening to Joe Rogan, talk to Jonathan Haidt and Jordan Peterson and Jocko Willing. Like this is how it happens. This is how, how we all grow and like learn things about the way the world works that we weren't previously
1: privy to. Yeah. You know, I think, I can't say that I've changed because of Whiskey Bench, but it is actively changing me.
3: Hmm.
1: Well, damn. Cheers talking to out that. Loud and, Whoa. Yeah, talking out loud and listening to what I have to say and getting feedback from people and getting feedback from uh, Henning and Kat, like all of these things. And
0: then listening back to yeah, it. Yeah,
1: exactly. Mm-hmm. It, it does a lot. So I'm like, wow, I've changed a lot. For episode one now, I think I've changed a lot.
0: A lot so, of personal growth.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's so that thing. was really beautiful. Henning, thank you for joining us tonight. And obviously there's lots more we could talk about in this conversation, but we try to keep these at like two hours at oh the gosh. longest, even though we've gone over a few times. But uh, <laughs> that's beautiful. Thank you for giving us your time. Listeners, thank you for giving us your time. It's it's like Henning said, so valuable to us and we appreciate you. And so uh, I think we maybe cheers tonight but a little bit deeper than a cheers i want to i want to raise a glass to, to mr henning and your family dixie of course um and highline media network everyone that's podcasting with us and that will continue to grow uh, find success that will grow as individuals will grow as podcasts and uh we keep creating and sharing and hopefully giving value to the world because that's our ultimate goal cheers 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 Welcome to the into podcast
0: where we seek to insight insight pursuing truth for the sake of wonder
1: meet my parents
0: that's, that's us. us i'm pops i'm the cotton candy queen my wife
1: katie hello my best friend kevin am i the best friend or the wife and me alex hey join us to have an honest and encouraging conversation about whatever it is that we're into
0: Highline Media Network, artist-owned podcasts by normal people in normal places.